on TV, online, and on a matapia. This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EPT Not Live. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. Here's my work wife, James Hardigan. James is in the United Kingdom. I am in Las Vegas for the GPL Finals hashtag entrepreneur life james joe you are a pale shadow of your usual self and i'm in a situation where the lurgy is flying around coughs and sneezes spread diseases and diseased people have been wandering the corridors of the pokestar's office i'm losing my voice you're hardly awake it's gonna be a great show people you've waited two weeks for this and it's gonna be blink and you'll miss it and um we'll kind of just uh, get through it yeah, it is going to be a weird show, man. I had lots of stuff planned for uh, this week's show, and it turns out yesterday's GPL match that I covered uh, went from noon until 2.30 in the morning. So um, we're just kind of going to be winging it today, guys. Uh, I was going to write a joke about me being in a great mood, but I'm not. I'm exhausted. I slept two hours last night. Coming up on today's show, I did have a stellar Thanksgiving here in America and some funny Thanksgiving stories and a run-in with a celebrity. Wow. We did... Yeah, an A-lister, actually. <gasps> yeah, we uh, we did have uh, two TV shows air since the last time we spoke here on EPT Not Live. That's the best of the EPT Volume 3. Uh, that was the countdown to number one that aired last week. We're going to talk about that and the Barcelona Super High Roller that aired last night in the UK. We're going to talk about that. And guess what? I didn't watch either, either one of them back. I was expecting to be done by a 10 p.m., not 2.30 in the morning, so I kind of got a little bit of the dog ate my homework <laughs> going on. I am going to have to cheat off James's homework when we get to that section of the show, but I think, James, most of the hands from the final best of are things that I'm pretty familiar with. I'm pretty sure there were 13 hands. It was counting down 13 to 1. I'm pretty sure that you were the co-commentator on... 11 out of the 13 or worst case scenario 10 out of 13 plus the barcelona super high roller i mean the event wasn't that long ago we didn't voice it that long ago so i kind of hope it's relatively fresh in your memory james you still have so much misguided faith in me i appreciate that uh we'll, we'll figure it out when we get there uh, and today on Superfan versus Stave, speaking of things I watched recently that uh, I probably won't remember anything about, John Lindley is our Superfan who wants to talk about The Princess Bride. I watched it over Thanksgiving weekend, and not only did I watch it, but I took a short quiz on it afterward. So I want to say I'm feeling good about this, but we all know that I still find a way to fuck it up. Expectations are high for sure. Uh, Joe, I have to tell you about an amusing tweet that I saw yesterday. Um, you may have noticed that at EPT Live has now become at PokerStars TV as we prepare for the new era of live events and say goodbye to the EPT at the end of December, the end of uh, EPT season 13. I don't really remember, we ran this competition during Malta, uh, a spin and go to the Bahamas competition where we asked people to match their hands with specific hole cards while playing a spin and go. And yep. Obviously, we would tell people on the live stream what the hands were, but because it's kind of blink and you'll miss it, we also would tweet like the graphic. We'd show them what the cards are. And on mm -hmm. this particular day, which I think was like the, 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 the 27th of October, so more than a month ago, uh, we tweeted that the hands you had to match were 10 of spades, 3 of diamonds, ace of hearts, 2 of hearts, king of clubs, jack of spades. And of course, you were meant to tweet with a boom link or a screenshot, the hand ID, hashtag EPT win. Hashtag EPT win. Yeah. So yesterday, a guy replied to that tweet. So this is the 28th of November. Oh, my goodness. Number one, his whole cards are the Queen of Clubs and the Five of Diamonds. <laughs> Wait, does that match any of the cards that you announced? No. Doesn't match a single <laughs> one of them. Number two, he is a month and a day late. Number three... <laughs> He's not playing a spin and go. Number four, he's not even playing on Poker Stars. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. There's other sites besides Poker Stars playing Poker Stars. Apparently, there are. Uh, a little bit of feedback to last week. Undersea Monkey says, listening to your retrospective on Jeremy Clarkson's obnoxiousness, I'm assuming he's going to be joining Trump's cabinet. Sorry, Joe, I thought we could get through a show without mentioning Donald Trump, but it seems we have failed. Oh, he's only the most powerful man on the planet, James. <laughs> 
Now, there was a little bit of controversy, and I don't want to make this a social media beef because it has a happy ending. But Donny was a little bit put out a couple of weeks ago when he listened to EPT Not Live. He said it was the first episode where he didn't make it all the way through because he was disappointed in what I did, saying, you're usually more customer-focused. And I genuinely had no idea what he was referring to, sought clarification, and apparently Donny didn't like the fact that I was harsh on Jeremy Clarkson when the superfan is clearly a fan of Top Gear. Wait, he, is Jeremy Clarkson a, a customer? Uh, do we know? <laughs> Does he play on Burger Stars? The point I think Donny is mentioning, that bearing in mind that this guy is base, has said, I like Top Gear, I'm a fan, and that's what I want to answer questions about, for me to then say, well, actually, I think the show's host is a a-hole. Now, personally, I don't think Phil had an issue with it. In fact, I know Phil didn't have an issue with it. Also, the questions were still related to Top Gear. Donnie's point is, well, what if it was... A, a Star Wars super fan, and the questions were all about blatantly bad dialogue in the movies. That would still yeah, be a Star Wars quiz. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's rude, or we we screwed over a customer in any way. And I also don't think that Phil Cooper sounded the least bit put out by it. Donnie's conclusion finished listening, so Donnie did go back and caught the rest of the show. It was very funny. Still seemed preachy, but it could just be me being oversensitive. It was deliberately preachy. It was deliberately over the top on my part. Um, but we were just having a bit of fun. And let's be honest, we like to think that if someone is coming on this show, they know the kind of personalities they're dealing with and they're going to be able to take it. It's kind of like if we had, uh, you know, like a guest on and I did a game where like I, all the things rhyme with their last name and they're like, I was very offended that you made fun of my last name. It's like, <laughs> nah, you, you, you kind of knew. You were coming on the show. Like, we're not mean. We're not dicks. We're just having a good time. You know You know who else likes to have a good time? Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> Whose face is all over Amazon right now every time I log in. <gasps> that reminds me. Joe, have you heard the news? I saw you tweet about this today. You can download shit on Netflix now? The most exciting development all year, without doubt, you can now watch stuff on Netflix offline. This is going to change plane and train journeys going forward i'm such a happy camper this is i mean it's really a sad state of affairs as to what 2016 has been like that this is by far the best news to come out of an entire calendar year is that you could download shit off netflix not only joe is it the best news it's literally the only fucking positive thing that's happened in 2016 <laughs> well james i can think of one positive thing what's up with what's up with this hashtag raise it now, this, of course, was the thing that um, happened over the summer when there was this kind of uh, raising war, if you like, between Neymar and uh, Brazilian Ronaldo. And you might remember that a lot of it was based around football tricks. And it's like, you know, Neymar would kick a ball into the boot of a car and say, there you go, Ronaldo, raise it. And Ronaldo would raise it because he'd then kick a ball into the boot of a moving car. So now it's round two and it's Cristiano Ronaldo, CR7, taking on Dwayne Wade. And the first round involved ball tricks while getting out of bed. Is it good? Is it worth watching? I think they're both really cool, actually. Um, Dwayne Wade manages to basically... Well, do you want me to tell you what happens in the videos? Yeah, you can tell me. Okay, so Dwayne Wade wakes out of bed. He's got like a, a, a sleep mask on, like a, a, you know, covering his eyes and throws a basketball behind him over his shoulder and it goes through the hoop. Um, CR7 does a little bit of a football trick where he effectively scores a goal out of his patio doors. But you have to watch the CR7 video for the fact that the man has CR7 branded onto his bedroom sheets. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm a, I'm sitting on a Stapes branded cushion right now. So, But I think there's going to be lots more uh, of these fun videos. You search hashtag raise it on Twitter. I'm sure you'll see them over the coming days and weeks. You know, this this competition is going to intensify. So are we supposed to do our own, like, uh, like the mannequin challenge and stuff like that? Um, I mean, you can challenge people, I guess, but I think it's more about watching the fight, the battle, the uh, the kind of try the, the the desperate attempt to outdo each other between these two sports stars. Okay, so there's going to be like more actual produced ones, and they're going to escalate. I think that's the plan. 
Oh, cool. That's kind of fun. All right. I, I like, look, I like a commercial as long as it's entertaining, you know? So that's, that's pretty cool. James, I was hoping you could um, help me settle a debate. The, mm. the, luckily, the biggest fight I had with my family over Thanksgiving was now, as you know, I recently became an uncle. We were talking about the baby and how the baby's like actually a cute baby. And some babies are ugly. And we were trying to have this debate. Like, do we just think it's cute because it's our, you know, it's our blood or is it actually cute? And then my mom straight up said, now I think this baby is the spitting image of my brother who I thought was a very cute baby. And my mother goes, no, your brother wasn't a cute baby at all. In fact, the first thing we ever called him was Yoda. Oh my god. Now I think Yoda's fucking adorable. I think Yoda Agreed. is so cute. Just right. to be clear, just to be clear. Original Yoda. We're talking about the Yoda puppet from Empire Strikes Back Return of the Jedi. CGI Yoda. Not cute, just weird. I think CGI Yoda's less cute, but still sort of cute. But anyway, I was like, let's th put this out to Twitter. I'll settle this thinking it would be like the landslide election that Donald Trump won, thinking it would be a landslide. Yes, Yoda is cute. It was pretty freaking close to down the middle. Well, maybe people were thinking of the prequels. Not being funny, the Yoda puppet in Phantom Menace, which they then replaced with CGI, was a little bit creepy, a little bit scary. So I'm going to say original Yoda, cute. Later years Yoda, i.e. prequels Yoda, not so much. Which actually doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, Nothing about the prequels made <laughs> sense, Joe. Nothing. Did you? Uh, I saw this tweet yesterday that says, um, <laughs> "If if Rogue One isn't good, America is officially over." <laughs> like, it's just like <laughs> the last thing that we uh, possibly have to hold on to is a Star Wars movie coming out at Christmas time. James, I mentioned my parents uh, coming to hang out. You played some poker. You guys don't do Thanksgiving, but uh, you, you had a a right to play event it wasn't actually a poker night it was actually uh it was the the uh, right to play big red ball which is basically a fundraiser for the charity you're absolutely oh, right man, were, were there hot chicks there were there like chicks in cocktail dresses like there always are at these things absolutely uh but there were also just a lot of uh very wealthy very affluent but also very philanthropic people who were there mm. to support this charity the big red ball is right to play's opportunity to really talk about the work it does uh, the work it does in Africa, you know, giving children that right to play, that right to be children. Um, children, kids who are in a horrific scenario. Mike Tyndall was there. Mike Tyndall, of course, Shark Cage, season one runner-up. A guy who we had a lot of fun with in Barcelona when you uh, gave him those race situations, Joe, based on the fact that he lost a huge flip against Griffin Benger. A flip for a million dollars in that Shark Cage final. And Mike is now a right-to-play ambassador. And Mike recently went out on one of those field trips to Africa to see the work that right-to-play does. And he said that he'd mentally prepared himself for what he was about to see. And he had done the uh, Bear Grylls challenge, you know, that kind of sleeping rough and like eating animal feces and all that kind of rubbish. And he thought, <laughs> it, it can't be worse than that. But he said that... Or as I like to call it, Friday night. But he said that nothing he's been through before and no amount of preparation could actually make him ready for how desperate the situation is for some of these kids. So it was important to hear those stories, and it was important to see the difference that this charity makes. And obviously there's an auction, there's a silent auction, there's just uh, an opportunity to kind of uh, just make, make donations. During the donation segment, which was basically Mike Tyndall standing on stage asking people to give, in the space of about 10 minutes, they raised £140,000. Wow, like just people just getting out their checkbooks right Absolutely. there at the event. People pledging donations at their table. So obviously I was there with our charity team because Right to Play is the official Pokestars charity. Jake Cody and Fatima DeMelo were there because they are the Right to Play ambassadors. I was very grateful to be invited, but just really good for me to learn more about this charity and the work it does and also meet some other great sports stars who are in attendance. Uh, some of our recent Olympic champions, including a member of the uh, gold-winning hockey team from the UK. Uh, cool. and, and just really kind of understand, you know, whenever we run a charity event or whenever we do a fundraising drive to learn where that money's going and why it is so important. So uh, it was a really good night. Good food as well. So what you're saying is Mike Tyndall 
got there told one story about how awful things are in Africa and everyone's just like, take my money, <laughs> take my money and give it to the children, please take everyone, take the actual checkbook. Maybe they can play with that. Mike Tyndall's theory was that they just wanted him to get off the stage. So it's like, let's meet the tar- fundraising target quickly so we don't have to listen to any more of him. Oh, look at that guy's nose. Get him, get him out of there. Jeez, what happened? <laughs> Uh, I guess I feel like I should follow up with my celebrity story since you met an Olympic gold medalist. I was uh, shopping with my mom, and unfortunately, my parents at this point, they mean well, but they don't know that they're old and can't do the things they used to do anymore. And so they really still think that they're moving through life at the speed and efficiency at the rest of us, and it ends up getting them into trouble. I was uh, shopping with my mother, and she was really intent on buying. Like, first of all, James, first of all, my mom wouldn't let me announce or hint on social media that they were visiting at all, me at all because she was terrified that someone would rob the house knowing that they were out of town. <laughs> so, because my parents are like the classic fear-based Americans, like oh, they bless. shred their. My mom shreds the mail. She like rips up cereal boxes. That's how they get you. They go through your trash. I'm like, okay, fine. So um, I'm walking through the store with my mom, and she really wants to get something for my roommate who has moved out for the week so that they can have her bedroom. And uh, we pass – we're at this like sort of world market kind of thing, and we pass these uh, uh, these olives, blue cheese stuff olives. And I realized that my roommate loves making herself martini. I was like, hey, why don't you get her a bottle of vodka, a bottle of olives, a, a jar of these olives, and uh, and that'll that'll work out. My mom's okay, great. She picks up the jar of olives and she's like, what about these other olives? They're like, Mom, we got the olives already. So now I'm like kind of the guy who's like irritated with his mom in public. Like I'm not coming <laughs> off very well here. And it reminds me of that Seth Rogen, Barbara Streisand movie called The Guilt Trip. And I'm thinking about that movie. And uh, we go through, we finally get to this place with this very long line. You know, it's like two days before the day before Thanksgiving. It's a big shopping day. And um as I'm walking toward the register, I have to walk past another register, and this girl who's about to, uh, who's I can see is wrapping up her transaction. She's, I can see by her body language that she's about to step backwards without looking, which is where I'm walking. So I sort of stop, and then she decides she's not going to step backwards, and then I sort of start to go again, and then she decides she is going to step backwards, and we do this weird little dance that she's completely unaware of. And then I eventually get past her, and I'm like a little irritated. And at, then as her and her boyfriend are leaving, I accidentally elbow her boyfriend uh, because he didn't do the same dance with me. Like I backed up without looking and I hit him. And for the first time in my life, I was like, no, I am not apologizing to that guy. Mm-mm, no, I am not doing it. I am just everything's fine. You bump into people sometimes. I'm not saying. And I looked at the guy and it was fucking Seth Rogen. <laughs> And I was like, oh, man, I was just totally so rude to Seth Rogen. Man, if only I just said I'm sorry, we probably could be best friends now. I would be in the next Sausage Party movie. Um, I've heard okay. so many bad things about that movie. Uh, I saw it. I watched it. Oh, you know, this is amazing, James. Is So uh, I have all these Criterion movies for you um, that uh, you gave me a list when there was a sale a few weeks ago. I hope uh, the tax authorities aren't listening. Um <laughs> And uh, so I had all these Criterion movies, and I did not watch a single one of them. But I did watch Sausage Party and Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates. And I watched, James, I watched this movie. You probably saw the tweets called Nine Lives. I remember when they first, a trailer for this first came out. And I remember reading an article in, uh, I think it was the, the Guardian, where they said, is this a spoof? We don't think this is a genuine movie. We think this trailer is one of those kind of like fake trailers. And then they right. realized, no, this is a movie. This is a thing. Kevin Spacey turns into a cat. And seeing your tweets, um, which I think is probably more entertaining than watching the movie, made me realize that, yeah, this is as bad as I expected it to be. You know, it's weird is that I do like to watch movies like this every once in a while. One, because you you just you don't have to think, right? Like, And sometimes I just yeah. need to turn my brain off a little bit. But sometimes you'll movies like this get panned and I'll watch it. And I'll go, you know what? It's kind of funny. It's pretty good. Like that movie, the watch right with Ben Stiller and Vince Vaughn and the, the dude from the it crowd or whatever that movie got destroyed. And I watched, it, I was like, that's pretty funny. I kind of like that movie. James, this movie is fucking atrocious. Like <laughs> Kevin, I wouldn't be surprised if Kevin Spacey made $50,000 per word 
in this movie. I mean, it is so bizarre. It's a mix of like an animatronic live and a CGI cat. And this cat is howling and like hissing for the entire movie. Like it's, it's, you know how when cats are upset, it's like out of a horror movie, right? Like it's scary. Like this cat is upset the entire movie and nobody really cares. (laughs) Like no one really cares that this cat's like, it's like, oh, that's a weird cat. It's so fucking weird. Christopher Walken is like one tiny little ray of sunshine in this movie, but it is just as bad as you would think, I would say Sasha's party perfectly fine. Had its moments. Really stupid. Would never watch it again. Mike and Dave uh, need wedding dates. I really enjoyed um, some classic tropes in there that were kind of annoying, but I liked the movie overall. You actually went to the went to the movies though. I did. Well, obviously, I couldn't watch any of my Criterion movies because they're with you in Los Angeles at the moment. So yeah, I went to the cinema with the family to see Fantastic Beasts and where to find them because you know we're big Harry Potter fans. And I thought it was an absolutely delightful movie. And you asked me immediately, you know, is it going to be one of those films where if you're not a Harry Potter fan or haven't seen the Harry Potter films, you're going to get enjoy it. It stands alone. Yes, there are Potter references in there which the geeks will love, but as an original franchise, as an original concept, it works. And it was almost the perfect length. It told a great story. I love the characters in it. And I was swept away and cannot wait to watch it again, just not in the cinema. I got a question for you, actually. So this dude replied to your tweet and said something like, oh, in that last scene, am I right? Is that a spoiler? Like, in your opinion. I didn't see that one, to be honest with you. And I'm assuming he was having a joke. Well, he was talking about Jared Fogler or whatever. Oh, yeah. Possibly, maybe, mildly. I mean, and I'm not asking, is it a spoiler in this case? I mean, like, do you think that that is a spoiler and that you shouldn't write something like that? Well, if you're at replying someone, is it? I just happened to, I was tagged in it. That's all. Because Um, I had asked you, am I going to, I just didn't want to go see, I really wanted to go to the movies this weekend, but nobody could agree on what movie to go see. Like, um, Bad Santa 2 came out, and I really enjoyed the first one, and I wanted to see that. And then some people wanted to see Fantastic Beasts, but some people had already seen that and wanted to see Doctor Strange. And then some people wanted to see Arrival, and we couldn't come to an agreement. Some people wanted to see Hacksaw Ridge. Like, there's a lot of great movies out right now, allegedly. So I was just trying to uh, ask you, you know, it, it was going to irritate me if I went to go see this movie, and I was like, I don't get it. I don't know. The, what's everyone laughing at? Why is everyone no, pointing no. at the screen right now? You, you don't need to know the Harry Potter stories or have seen those movies to appreciate this. It's it's a really good movie. I really re- I strongly recommend it. And also strongly recommend The Night Of, the HBO drama, the eight-part yeah. miniseries. It kind of reminded me of the first season of True Detective, just a really gripping eight-episode drama that stands alone in its own right, which I know was then kind of somewhat tainted by the fact that they decided to do a second season. But this, I don't think there will be. This is a standalone, and it's uh, it's a really, really good series. And also I enjoyed, and I appreciate that I am an NFL fan, so I come from a slightly biased point of view, but there's a series on Amazon Instant Video called All or Nothing, which is where an NFL films crew spent an entire season season with the Arizona Cardinals and you just get to see so much great stuff behind the scenes that you're not normally exposed to and it was an amazing insight into the players and their world and all of the politics that goes on backstage is it whitewashed or is it legit no I think it's pretty legit but also in terms of like where they summarize the games the way that NFL film stuff is shot you know that obviously you've got the game is covered, say, for example, on Fox. So Fox have got their cameras and they cover it for TV. But you've also got the crew who are there from NFL Films. And they're there Do to they get... still have that same announcer, the monsters of the gridiron take to the field at the at the Phoenix Cardinals Arena. Well, this series is narrated by John Hamm of Mad Men fame, but he does certainly have that gravitas. But the shots are just so beautiful because it's it's really kind of filmic, capturing moments in time and just how they kind of summarize the narrative of each individual game. It's like watching a drama rather than watching sport. It's just a really well-made series. So if you even have a passing interest in American football, it's well worth a look. I've heard that John Hamm's package is so big that you can even see it when he's doing voiceover. Is that true? 
I am not aware of what you're referring you, to. You're not aware of this thing that you can see John Hamm's dick in like every scene that he's in ever because his fucking hog just takes up most of his pant leg. I've got to be honest with you. I've watched every single season of Mad Men and never noticed. Or did you notice so much? No, I just didn't notice. <laughs> Okay, well, it is a thing. I'm not just making this up. Or maybe I am. That's fine. I'll admit it. I'm I'm into it. Doesn't matter. Uh, James, I got a I got a VR helmet. I got a PlayStation VR. I'm so old school. I recently dug out my PS3 because I fancied playing a video game again. I can't bring myself to even upgrade to the PS4, let alone go virtual reality. Uh, well, you texted me asking what games I could recommend for PS3. I assume you didn't actually pick any of those up yet. I didn't. And I can't bring myself to even buy uh, new games. I realize I've got some old ones. Grand Theft Auto 4. I never actually finished it. So I've decided to revisit that. I think I hated that one. I think Is that the one where you're Nico, whatever? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I I couldn't beat the first mission. I was like, fuck this. And I took it back to the store for like 11% of the face value. <laughs> Uh, the VR thing is super cool, man. Um, I mean, I, play, I have this Batman game where, like, you start off in the Batcave. The first thing you do is, like, just pick up a Batarang and throw it. Um, I will say it is a little weird because you do lose yourself uh, to the point where, like, I did it. I was too close to a wall, and, like, I turned to my left and just completely smacked into the wall. Uh, no, <laughs> just no spatial awareness. Uh, I think this segment's dragging on a little bit. So just really quickly, I just want to say I had a great Thanksgiving. And um, I just want to say I like really love my friends. The day after Thanksgiving, we decided that we wanted to party because my parents have been in town. So we started drinking really early in the day. But what we also did is we went out and bought a bunch of uh, disposable plates and silverware. And uh, I ordered way too much food on Thanksgiving. Um they sent about – I ordered food for eight people, and they sent food for probably close to 15. <laughs> I think they are doing to be a favor because I used my roommate's catering company. She works for Wolfgang Park Catering, and so we had all this food. So we decided that we were going to get shit-faced in the middle of the day, but the, at the same time, we just had kind of a party in my kitchen where we heated up all the leftover food, made up a dozen individual plates – and then uh, the one friend who showed up late and hadn't been drinking drove us around the neighborhood and we were able to go around and, and feed people um, that day. And so I was just it was just a nice thing to do. You know, like uh, we're like, OK, how do we justify like the fact that our lives are so good that we like just to get get drunk in the middle of the daytime? Let's do a little bit of good at the same time. So overall, my uh, my Thanksgiving was really fun. Had a great time with my folks. Very happy to see them go. No offense. But uh, just a, a good holiday overall, and I really needed the break. Sorry, my babies. I missed you guys. But uh, having a week off from everything in the podcast was good, too. Uh, you're, making up not... for, you're making up for lost time now, though, aren't you, with a 15-hour stream? And you've got another one today, I guess. Yeah, just the GPL finals are, are uh, happening right now. Um, I knew that when I signed on for the gig, it was going to be a long day. But if I could just quickly explain the process here, uh, 12 teams were in the GPL, eight made the playoffs. And so it was eight. four from. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. Eight made the playoffs. Uh, there's going to be some sport that's like that, right? Where like almost everyone makes the playoffs. Yeah, I think there are a few sports like that. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I hadn't been paying attention, and I genuinely thought this was the final. I thought this was the last two teams playing for the win, for the $100,000, right? Is that the prize that they get at the end of the rainbow? Yeah, $100,000. We're giving that away uh, not today, but tomorrow. So, like, yes, so there's two conferences, four teams from each conference made it. One is the Americas. So, you know, Eric and Alex in their... Hashtag entrepreneur life, hashtag infinite wisdom, want to make it a structure uh, that it, the players are happy with. So they decided that they were going to make these heads up matches between teams be best of seven <laughs> matches. And so yesterday, the first match was Montreal versus the San Francisco Rush, and it went the full seven games. You know why, Joe, um, don't you? Because it is always coming seven. It is always fucking coming seven. You have no idea. So Montreal, San Francisco went the full seven games. That took about five hours. Then we had to do the other matchup, which was L.A. versus Sao Paulo. That went the full seven games. No. Also, 
coming seven. So we didn't start the actual playoff between the top two teams, which was Montreal versus L.A. We didn't start that until 1030 at night. And somehow, by the grace of fucking Lord President Trump, we only went six games for that matchup. Just just going to throw it out there, guys. Best of three. It's worth Best of three it's next worked, year, Eric Gannis, who just walked people, into this. But by the way, I'm in Baldy's office right now here at the GPL. Eric Dennis just walked in. Can we do best of three next year? Best of five. Anything but best of seven. And so we got the same day today for the Eurasia Conference. Um, so we, we are looking at potentially the same today. Hopefully it'll be a little shorter. And then uh, the following day, luckily, it's just the championship we have to deal with. However, is that best that- of 21? Best of 11, James. No. <laughs> Not a joke. Best of 11. Eric is uh, motioning to me right now that we may make it the best of nine. But if that's all we have to do that day, I could. I think people are just going to get bored, though, watching best of 11. Well, that's the danger, know. isn't it? And I, but Not being funny. And the one thing I will sort of salute both Eric and Alex for in all this process is as this first season of the GPL has, has gone on, They've admitted that, look, we were kind of learning as we went and maybe we didn't get everything right. And, you know, maybe next year it's it's better to bring fewer teams maybe into the final round. Maybe just have the conference championships and a final rather than like playoffs. Um, and also, I think the actual league itself probably like condense it and maybe it's all in one run rather than split into two either side of the summer. Al, you know, Alex uh, takes criticism pretty well, and what he has said uh, throughout, uh, at least uh, uh, when I'm around, is we got to fix lots of things. And one of the things he mentioned uh, at our meet and greet the other night was that there was a little bit too much to this season, and uh, you tend to like lose focus when it lasts so long. So what he wants to do, what he said was he wants to do um, two seasons per calendar year, but make them shorter seasons. So uh, we are addressing some of that stuff. Uh, you know, James, last night I was planning on just sleeping in the office here because like <laughs> I said, I, I was going to leave, uh, you know, where I was heading back to my hotel around three and then I had to be up again about six fifteen to do the show. Uh, and then as I was like settling in on the couch, I realized that my pre saunas box was back in my hotel room anyway. Oh no. So, yeah. So I ended up having to go back to the hotel and sleeping for about two hours at the hotel. So I, I, you guys aren't going to be able to get this message live. I highly recommend tuning into today's broadcast of the GPL because I will probably be off my fucking rocker uh, within the first hour or two. James, should we do a little TV recap? TV recap. Well, we've got two shows to talk about, Joe, because obviously we have been off air for a week. The podcast, that is, not the TV shows. Uh, If you head to PokerStars.tv right now, assuming you're not in the UK, in which case you should be heading to Channel4.com slash poker, you'll be able to see the best of the EPT part three. And this really is the business end of the countdown with the top 10, the top 13, in fact, greatest moments from the first 12 seasons of the European Poker Tour, plus the most recent show kicking off season 13. This is a pretty quick turnaround. When you think in some cases people have to wait 9 to 12 months for a TV show to appear, Barcelona happened at the end of August. Here we are at the end of November. So what's that? Three months? They just have to wait 9 to 12 months for new shows in the middle of our season sometimes. That's all. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So, yeah, two shows to talk about. Let's just quickly cover off the Barcelona Super High Roller because I did say on our last podcast that there's no real reason to go into this in too much detail because it was so recent so many people watched the live stream we talked about it because we had Fedor Holtz on the show talking about his super high roller win and I look that was the story of this show and really most of the hands that were picked out for the 60 minute highlights package were Fedor Holtz just absolutely crushing this And really, and I think there's a really key moment at this final table, and it's when they're three-handed, when it's Fedor, Timothy Adams, and Sam Greenwood, and Sam and Tim are kind of like, Fedor, are are you too rich to to talk about a deal? And Fedor's like, no, I just feel like playing. And we questioned Fedor about that when he came on the podcast, and it was very simple. He understands that the prize jumps, 
the money means so much more to these guys than it does to him that he can leverage that. And he knows that he can bully them because to a certain degree, they are playing scared. But equally, you've got to feel for Sam Greenwood. He just could make nothing happen, heads up. And it wasn't a case that he got owned. It was just a case that Fedor ran really well and he ran really bad. Well, there's different ways of getting owned. I mean, getting owned by the deck, you know, if you really are insistent on using that phrase. Um, I agree with you. Not much he could have done there. I guess in a way, Fedor was too rich to make a deal, though. I mean, I also kind of felt like those guys in that spot, and look, I know it's part of the game, and I know that it's all like good in the hood. It's like bluffing or anything else. I did feel like they were a little passive-aggressive with him. Um, when they were like, oh, are you too rich to do it? Like, it felt like a little too, like, what are you, chicken? Kind of, uh, and, and they gave up on it pretty quickly. But I, I did think that they kind of, uh, they, they went pretty hard at him. Yeah, that is true. Um, so, yeah, that show, that final table, available to watch right now at Pokestars.tv, as is the best of the EPT Volume 3. So on the last episode of EPT Not Live, we broke down EP2, uh, which was hands 26 through 14. So should we run through hands 13 to 1, Joe? Let's do it. The greatest moments in European poker tour history. Uh, in at number 13, Benny Spindler at EPT 8 London. Seven bet shoving with King Jack. This to me is such a hand of its moment when it was all about pre-flop leveling yeah. wars and it was all about three bet, four bet, tickle you under there. And it's stuff that you don't really see anymore. I mean, that's probably the happiest I've been to see a poker trend die out. Like, I don't know, since racism and people shooting each other at the table. I mean, like, this is just, I just don't, it wasn't a very fun era. Like we do have these great moments like this um, where, you know, you can watch one hand in a vacuum and be like, wow, this is nuts. But when everyone was playing like this for a year or two, it was super annoying. <laughs> for sure. Uh, hand number 12 was from PCA 2015. And this was more about the overriding story arc, I guess, rather than a single hand itself. It was Ronaldo going deep in the PCA main event, making it into the top 30. And this was a situation where he was nearly out. He ran ace-deuce into ace-king. And it seemed, and I think Chance Cornuth on the rail may even have said it, everyone was just rooting for that deuce to hit. And Ronaldo did get lucky on the river to survive, railed by another sports star, Sergio Garcia. And just, you know, it was so great to see him enjoy the experience and enjoy the high pressure. As he said himself, heart attack. Uh, you know, as, as that flop turn and river was dealt. Yeah, I remember being there for that. And everyone really was just rooting for Ronaldo. It's kind of weird uh, considering, you know, he probably doesn't need the money and he's already been quite successful. But I just remember that was all the buzz. Like everyone's like, can you believe Ronaldo's still in? Ronaldo's still in. And, and it was very cool being there. Uh, hand number 11, so just outside the top 10, a very recent hand. It was the final hand of the grand final main event. It was a complete cooler, wasn't it? Set over set. A uh, set of eights for Adrian Alain on the flop. Jan Bendik turns a set of tens. It all goes in on the river, and Jan Bendik claims the title. And staying in Monaco, the so-called sickest hand in EPT history. Kicking off the top 10, Jason Mercier runs up to the feature table and tells them it's all over, that there will be no nine-handed play because there's been a double bust out, 10-handed. And Negreanu's like, oh, like they're drawing dead? And Mercier goes, well, they could catch runners. And guess what happens? They catch they runners. catch fucking runners. I remember this also when it happened, and I was just... This is maybe the most emotional I've ever been over a poker hand that we did commentary on. There's one coming up a little bit later where James uh, got kind of emotional, and rightly so. This emotion was anger, though. I was like, <laughs> yes, we're done for the night. Fantastic. It's over. Double elimination. Oh, no. Turns out no one's eliminated. And Jason Mercier should know better than to tell people that a hand is over before the Turnham River. It had was been pretty sick, though. The I mean, runner, runner was pretty ridiculous that that happened. Thanks yeah. a lot, Mercier. Yeah, on the flop, it looked like O'Dwyer had a lock on it. And Steve O'Dwyer returns at number nine from PCA 2015. He made a soul read against Roger Sippel and called to win the tournament. It's just one of those great hero calls that 
I know that the pros kind of take this attitude like, well, it's kind of standard because what could he have here? But I still super think... Standard, super standard call of these high. When you don't have a pair, I think it's a big call. And considering it's for the tournament, I think it's even even bigger. It is a big call. We've been over this before, too, that the it, you and I are on the same page that these tournaments that end with like a really sick call are like a lot more exciting than like, all right, it's six, seven versus ACE King yeah, and ACE King holds or six, seven sucks out. But he, you know, ACE King had no chips left. Uh, this is just one of the best endings to, uh, to a tournament that we've had. So hand number eight is also from the PCA. It's not a great call. It's a great fold. This is Galen Hall making a big lay down against Chris Oliver when they were heads up in the main event. And this was the point when Chris Oliver was the big favorite to win. And of course, after making that fold, Galen Hall turned things around and went on to win the tournament. Um, and at hand, it's number seven, a hand from the Barcelona Super High Roller a few years back. Uh, again, one of those where you think it's all over and it isn't. Olivier Bousquet, it looks like he's been flopped dead. And I remember at the time saying this live on the live stream, you know, Bousquet is virtually dead, but less than 1% is still not 0%. And he caught running aces to go from, I think it's 0.5% to 100%. Yeah, I would have in that moment, I'm a big um, proponent in rounding down. I would have said he is drawing dead. But, James, it's like I always say, all it takes is some percentage points and a turn in river. Wow, you should definitely copyright that one. Uh, almost into the top five, and the word, number five is very appropriate for this next hand. <laughs> number six, Johnny Ludden getting bluffed off fives by Adrian Mateos. Great hand. Um, I feel like this hand is probably a little bit better in context uh, than in a vacuum. And also... If you watch this hand and if you haven't heard it already, I would suggest as like a nice little wine pairing to this hand that you go back and listen to Johnny Lawton on EBT Not Live right after this happened because, man, do I really give Johnny a hard time about folding those fives. Absolutely. That was one on one, on one of the early episodes of the show back in 2015. Interestingly, we did something quite funky with this hand, Joe, because you might remember when this happened in real time, when we were doing the live stream, we had Dinegs in the booth with us. Daniel Negreanu was commentating yes. on this and analysing it. Now, obviously, for the TV shows, it was just me and Joe. So we felt that to really make this hand special for the countdown, we utilized the commentary from the live stream, preserving as much of Daniel's analysis as possible, because hearing Dean Eggs get into Lodden's mind and really sort of say that if he doesn't make this call immediately, he's just going to talk himself out of it. It's really good analysis. Yeah, um, I mean... I think that we're all lucky that uh, Daniel was in the booth for that as far as um, as viewers go, as far as commentary goes. I'm like, man, Daniel, you make this you make me look terrible at this. Stop it. <laughs> uh, we're into the top five. We're almost done. A couple of hands from Berlin follow. We've got from season seven, uh, Jupvind and Bygart making that huge fold against Ben Wilanowski, folding top two to what he doesn't know is a set and absolutely hating himself for it. And the hand that follows, hand number four, is the ultimate car crash, Vanessa Selbst against Kevin McPhee. Pocket fours and ace nine go to war. This is, I don't remember what ended up in the commentary here, but this is like pot versus kettle and you could flip the rolls uh, however you want. This is probably the the hand I've seen the most of all the EPT hands. It just always seems to pop up on these lists and it makes for pretty good break content on the live streams. I mean, this was sort of like the shot heard round the world, awkward plane ride home for Vanessa, Kevin and Liv, who were spending a lot of time together at the time. And it is the perfect car crash of hands but also of just awkward personalities, right? I mean, it's like yeah. an awkward little in-friend fight. Super weird. Uh, Craig Towles tweeted, by the way, to say, doing clip shows better than any other show ever. Love oh. these shows. Plus, Stapes' voice early on is so high. Yeah, well, they say, and James, I don't know if your voice has developed over the years, but I'm a big Howard Stern fan, and Howard you know, said that it – his voice has developed over 20 years that you sort of just uh, through 
repetition and just sort of finding your own sort of inner inner voice it gets different and i will admit i sound like an absolute goofball in some of those episodes <laughs> uh craig goes on to say my all-time favorite hand was number three it's daniel negrano ept london craig says great play with the killer end line i said he had a or kings not that i could beat it negrano calls out his opponent's hand and bluffs him off it yeah this hand is like the perfect storm of everything you would want in a televised poker hand it's got like a well-known personality he talks his way through it the good the hero quote-unquote uh wins the hand gets his way this hand really is magic then we have jason mercia at number two again as we get into the top five as we conclude this countdown these are hands that you've seen again and again time and time after because they are the biggest moments from the ept it's that call that mercia made at the san remo final table that put him on the path to victory in his first ever ept and at number one it had to be that moment the first and only two-time oh! win well, it's funny. BA Chat says, Love James's commentary of Vicky Curran winning her second EPT title. Poker equivalent of Aguero. Great moment. Well done, Vicky. And an interesting question from Daniel. It says, Catching up on the EPT Greatest Hand Show, which were brilliant. And my question is, Did you know prior to watching the live feed in the booth that Vicky Curran had won her second EPT? And I have actually. I was kind of tortured for a while, Joe, about whether I should answer this question because I don't think I can lie, but equally, I don't want people to say that it was all a performance. The answer is yes, but, and there is a but attached. We were at dinner and we were told it's over. You've got to get downstairs. That was you, Joe, because you've got to do the interview. So we're coming back from dinner and so we can see that Vicky's won. In fact, I congratulated Vicky on her two-time win before going back into the booth to call the final 30, 40 minutes of this heads-up battle. But you know what? I got so caught up in the moment, and only when it got to that final hand did it really sink in, in delayed time, what a huge accomplishment this was and what this actually meant. Bearing in mind we've been waiting for 10 and a half bloody seasons to have our first two-time winner. I, I totally believe that you were so wrapped up in the moment yes. that you did not fake any of your emotion. There was nothing fake there, and, um, and uh, I was honored to have been there, and I think it's a very great choice to be the number one in our countdown. Now, bear in mind, Joe, that when we, you see the whole hand, obviously you are a huge part of it because it's not just the winning moment, it's the build-up to it and the aftermath as well. And as you so succinctly said, you can't think of a more deserving person to be the first two-time winner on the EPT than Vicky Corrin. So that was our defining moment. That was our greatest hand in EPT history. And of course, we didn't know it, to be honest, when we made these shows, but... It was not just the best of the first 12 seasons, but in reality, it's almost like a, a, an end point to the EPT as we move on, as we evolve into the Pokestars Championship and put that tour to bed. And it will be put to bed after Prague, which is coming up in less than a month's time now. Just very quickly, I don't know whether you saw the news from your side of the Atlantic, Joe, that Mike Sexton won a WPT. Christopher Bean tweeted that with Mike winning WPT Montreal, <laughs> surely someone can stake Stapes and Hartigan at the last EPT in Prague. Man, uh, you know what? It's maybe the first time that I ever really was like, oh, that would be kind of cool. Um, but I, I assume that that's not a thing. And unfortunately, um, I assume that I would last. Let's say, let's say we played the EPT. First of all, James would fold his way to the min cash, so that's uh, that's two whole days of commentary. Hardigan's not in the booth for. <laughs> I assume I would last like a level or two because I would really knit it up just so I wouldn't <laughs> be the first player up out. Uh, so then, unfortunately, there's no one to do the live stream. So, um, and. And that's the difference. I love, I love the fact that we can use this as the defense mechanism because obviously Mike does the TV shows with Vince. Bingo, bango, bongo, and does a great job. But he doesn't have to worry about doing any live streaming. We do. We have to do both ends. So that means we can't play. And that's why, sadly, neither of us has an EPT title because they won't let us play. Otherwise, I firmly believe we'd have three apiece. 
It's yeah, it's kind of like when you're like, man, if I win that hand, I'd probably win the whole tournament. Exactly. If they would only let me and James play, at least look, I don't agree we'd have three EPTs each, but we'd have at least one between the two of us. That's <laughs> guaranteed. So Prague is coming up, and I want to do a very quick lobby update, Joe, about the first ever PokerStars Championship in the Bahamas. Because as you know, we've got the spin and go promotion running at the moment, and it's running for another few days. I think it ends on the fourth of December, so it ends this coming weekend. Um as we enter the final furlong, we have crossed the 100 mark. We've had more than 100 spin-and-go qualifiers so sick. who That's are going to awesome. be making their way to the Bahamas in January. Here's the stat. There have been 103 packages, but 102 winners. What do you think's happened there? 103 packages, 102 winners. Somebody's won two packages. Correct. Is it someone we know? We don't know who it is yet, but can you believe that not only did someone play two spin and goes where the package spun around, but they won both of those spin and goes as well? We gotta track them down because maybe they're like the spin and go package magnet and they actually were in like seven spin and goes that had the package as the prize and then won two of the seven. <laughs> now, I don't know, if, by the way, if you can do any research on this, James. I could have misread it. It could have been a troll. But yesterday, someone on Twitch said that Bill Perkins was giving away 10 Bahamas packages on his stream. I can verify this. This is true. Are you fucking serious? I'm serious. What a guy. What the hell? So, so not only are we going to have spin and go qualifiers, but we're going to have Bill Perkins qualifiers. Absolutely. It's going to be an amazing event come January, and there will be a live stream of the main event. I can now confirm that. But of course, before we get to the Bahamas, we are going to round off season 13 of the EPT. We're going to say adios to the European Poker Tour. Seven days of streaming from Prague, covering the Super High Roller, uh, the Eureka High Roller, and five days of main event coverage. But we'll break that down in more detail next week. Joe, I think next week we're going to do a Prague preview. Uh, we'll go through the schedule, the free rolls, the bounty bonuses, and guess who's going to join us for that in the booth? Who? The other commentator. We're going to bring in Broughton. Cool. I love Matt Brown. He's funny. I have to do less work. So we're going to have three-way action on next week's EPT Not Live. And we're going to have a three-way chat right now because it's time to bring in our superfan. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. And we welcome to the show... From the state of California, superfan John Lindley. John, welcome to EPT Not Live. Thank you very much. John Lindley, wow, you must be a superfan to have your ass up at the crack of dawn like me. Uh, yeah, just waiting for work. What do you do? Uh, I work for uh, IT for the local county here. For the local county? What kind of IT work has to be done for the local county? Are there, D are there DDoS attacks for the local county? Thankfully, nothing, nothing too uh, too bad for me. Uh, just general system administrator stuff. You do a lot of like having people move so you can sit down and fix the stuff at their computer. <laughs> exactly. Yes. James, isn't your computer with IT right now? It is. It's been there for five and a half hours. So we are speaking yeah. courtesy of a temporary build machine, which I'm hoping is going to hold up for at least the next fifteen minutes to get us through this last section of the show. John, what is your least favorite part about your IT job? Um, probably the, the fact that, uh, I'm expected to sort of be on call at all hours of the day. I get calls on the weekends and middle of the night, that sort of thing. People call you for personal shit too. Sometimes. That's annoying. People are always like trying to get me to, you know, give them poker. No, no one calls me for poker. <laughs> <laughs> they know better. So John, you have chosen as your specialist subject for this game of Superfan vs. Stapes, the movie The Princess Bride. Explain why you chose this particular subject. Uh, it's my favorite movie. I think it's uh, one of the best movies. It's got uh, action, comedy, uh, just about everything. I've seen it uh, dozens of times. So, James, when the last time you've seen this movie? I have not seen this movie for years, 
and years, which is why I outsource the questions, by the way. Producer Ben is to blame for any inaccuracies or inconsistencies <laughs> in the forthcoming questions. But Joe, as you mentioned at the top of the show, you actually revisited the subject of the Superfan Quiz for the first time ever. Uh, yeah, well, not for the first time ever, but I think it's going to stick with me uh, for the for the best. Uh, <laughs> I can't even get words. Words are hard right now for me, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, watched a ton of movie over Thanksgiving, and I watched The Princess Bride was the last movie I watched. I think it was on the day after Thanksgiving, and I even had a friend um, write down some quiz questions while we watched it, oh, and then she quizzed me after the movie. But I will say this, and I don't mean to disappoint John, I feel like the movie doesn't really hold up. Like, no. I just, it just felt really cheap and like, not like, like, I was like, there's really not a lot of substance here, which is weird because it's like widely considered to be like one of the best screenplays ever written. Now, Joe, you should learn your lesson from last week. Customer service. This man loves this movie. He's chosen it as his specialist <laughs> subject. You should not hammer on him for liking this film. No, not hammering at all. Well, the thing is, I was just kind of disappointed because I remember really loving this film. So maybe I was just in a bad mood or whatever, but I'm ready. Um, I just realized I can't remember any of the questions that I was <laughs> asked before this. So I think you're still in good shape, buddy. Now, you know the okay, deal, good. John. We assume that if someone has picked this as their specialist subject, they know the movie. And because Joe banged on about the fact how he'd watched it over Thanksgiving and therefore it was fresh in his memory, I think Ben might have made these questions on the tough side. So okay. hopefully... Hopefully, we have a high-scoring game here. Although I'm acutely aware of what the reality is going to be, uh, we're going to get the game. <laughs> we're going to get the game underway. Superfan versus States. And we're going to start with you, John. Pick a number between one and ten for your first question. That's got to be seven. Okay, it's always coming seven. Uh, question number seven. What does Buttercup compare Wesley's eyes to? The sea after a storm? Correct, for a point. Now, Joe, would you I have think, known that I one? I think that was... I, I wouldn't have gotten it, but I think that was on the quiz that I took. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joe, number between one and ten, not seven. Uh, I gotta go with number two. Huh? Number two. <laughs> I love this. It's got... Easy in brackets after the two. <laughs> How many purest kisses have there been since the invention of the kiss? Oh man. Six. John, you can steal. I believe it's four. Split the difference and you have the correct answer. It was five. Ah. ah. John, your question. Pick a number. Uh, let's go three. Let's go with number three then. What were the names of the two Dread Pirate Roberts who preceded Wesley? I can't come up with it. Joe, do you know? I believe it was Max and Cornelius. <laughs> no, it was Ryan and Cumberbund. There is a bonus question which goes to John as it is officially your question. Where did the real Dread Pirate Roberts retire to? Um, uh, I can't come up with it either. I'm trying to blank. Joe, do you know? Tenerife. Patagonia. So it uh. is the high scoring game we were expecting. 1 0 <laughs> the score. John, you have the lead. Joe, it's your question. 2, 3, and 7 are gone. Where are you going next on the board? Number one. Number one. Now, both movies have the same director, but what prop? Connects the Princess Bride, and this is Spinal Tap. Um, let's go with the 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 chalice, the poison chalice. It is not the poison chalice. John, do you happen to know what prop, what article connects the Princess Bride, and this is Spinal Tap? Um. Yeah. The only thing that's coming to mind is the, the hinge, but that's not in Princess Bride. I can't I can't think of anything. Well, apparently, the baseball cap that Rob Reiner wore when he oh. was playing the role of Marty DeBerge in This Is Spinal Tap is hanging in Fred Savage's room. Uh, uh, I thought uh, it was maybe going to be the cucumber that was down Harry Shearer's pants. <laughs> <laughs> Wrapped 
in tinfoil. Uh, John, I believe it is now your question. Okay, let's go 10. Number 10. You'll be pleased to know that this is multiple choice. Okay. Oh, no, it's not. Sorry. <laughs> there <were> just <laughs> Oh, six Laurel. There is a multiple choice question, but it's not this one. This one just has three answers. What are the three terrors of the fire swamp? And do you know what? I'm going to give you one point per terror. Okay. Uh, so there's the R-O-U-S's. Yes. There's the lightning sand. There is. And then there's the fire spurts. Which would give you three points, meaning the score is now 4-0. Come on, Joe. Oh, you, you fucking show off. I'm sick of this John <laughs> Linley guy. Go, uh, go, go update your McAfee somewhere. <laughs> Joe, you can pick four, five, six, eight, or nine. Nine's my lucky number. Let's go with nine then. According to Miracle Max, if someone is all dead, what is the only thing you can do? Um, it's a, a miracle. No. Are you sure you watched this movie? <laughs> Are you sure you didn't watch like Labyrinth or Dark Crystal by mistake? I knew he was mostly dead. John, do you know the answer? I believe it's go through the pockets and look for loose change. It is correct, meaning you wow. now have five points, and it's your question. Uh, four, five, six, and eight are all available. Let's go for it. Who was in the frame for playing Fezzik before Andre the Giant got the role? Um, hmm. The only one that comes to mind is uh, maybe Lou Ferrigno? No. Joe, you can yeah. steal. John Candy. No, it was a man who nearly ran me down on his Boris bike in Green Park this morning. Ah, sh Arnold Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger. Uh huh. Damn it! I almost said Schwarzenegger, but then it felt like cheating off of John's answer because I wouldn't have thought Schwarzenegger unless he said Frig. Now, damn it! Why can't I be a cheater? <laughs> I think applying logic isn't cheating. Um, I believe it's your question now, Joe. You still need to get on the board. Eight. Eight is the multiple choice question, which means you are at worst three to one against. Complete this couplet. No more rhymes now, I mean it. Do you want a peanut? Does anyone want a peanut? Anybody want a peanut? Everybody loves a chop pot. <laughs> Anybody want a peanut? Is correct, he's on the board. Yeah, what, what, that I have no recollection of whatsoever. So that was just a blatant guess, was it? Yeah. Did you fall asleep at any point in this movie? <laughs> well, James, I have to be honest that my parents had just left that morning, so I spent most of the day drunk off my ass. <laughs> Fair enough. We appreciate your honesty. Uh, we head into the final round. John, you can pick five or you can pick six. Uh, how about six? The book and screenplay were written by William Goldman, but in the movie, who is the author of The Princess Bride? S. Morgenstern. Correct, meaning you now have six points. Uh, Joe, it's going to be very difficult for you to catch up, bearing in mind this is the final um, question. I actually just feel bad that I said that this clearly is this dude's favorite movie. I, I changed my mind. Like, the movie's great, dude. You, you, uh, you've earned it. <laughs> Thanks. Joe, what is the third thing you lose when fighting to the pain? Your, your dignity. No, it's actually your nose. But here's the irony. There is a bonus question here, which could tie the game. Wow. Name all five. The things you I'm lose sorry. when fighting to the pain. Name all five. Your hands. Your nose. Hang on, hang on. Nose is one, you can have that. Yay! Be more specific about hands. Um, your fingertips. No. Uh, your knees, your cockles. <laughs> your I'm going to have to say no. The answer was your hands below the wrist, your feet below the ankles, your nose, your left eye, your right eye. I gave you one extra point purely by taking pity on you. <laughs> but the reality is that, John, you have very much proved your knowledge of The Princess Bride. The final score is 6-2. You are a winner, which means we will be shipping you and everyone loves a chop pot baseball cap and hopefully some other small piece of Pokestars merchandise that we can find lying around the office. Sounds great. Thank you. And thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for listening to the podcast, watching the live streams and supporting everything we do.
Absolutely. I love it. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks, John. And just one last little favor. I clicked on a weird link on my Mac yesterday. <laughs> can you just uh, can you just give me a call when the show's over so we can – I just want you to check a few things out. No problem. Hey, all right. What a team player. <laughs> All right, kids, we are closing in on the end of this week's show. Next time, it's the best of episode number four. Just kidding. <laughs> What's, uh, what, what is actually up? More Barcelona, right, next week? Yeah, it's an interesting one. We decided to showcase one of the side events, and it's actually an event from the Estrellas Poker Tour, the 2K High Roller. So something a little bit different. So we'll break that one down, but really we're going to be looking ahead to Prague. Our streaming dates, our free rolls... Uh, what other fun stuff is going to be going on there? Hashtag stars fun. And Broughton will be on the show, hoping we can get a guest on as well, but that's yet to be confirmed. Um, I have to say, Joe, I never would have known if you hadn't said or I hadn't seen the GPL stream that you'd had two hours sleep. You've been a trooper. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Like, look, part of it is that, um, look, this is my job. EPT stuff is my job first and foremost, so I would not ever want to. <laughs> Late last night, James is like, should I get Broughton? Are you going to be okay? Should I get Broughton? I'm like, look, this is my job. It's my responsibility. When I moonlight, it's not on you guys to pick up the slack, although I do appreciate doing a slightly condensed version of the show. Uh, if we do need a guest for next week, I know Eric Danis will be very happy to come on and talk about the rest of the GPL finals, whoever ends up winning that thing. So maybe we'll we'll score him if we can't get anyone bigger. You're assuming, that, honest, you're assuming that it will actually have concluded by then and they won't still be playing. <laughs> We are really hoping that it'll be over by next week's show. So I should have lots to talk about next week when I will be in the Unitedist of Kingdoms back together live in the booth with James Hardigan. Until then, for my work wife, James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.